Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Reasons why I'm excited for this series. So here we go. Number 11, we have these very stylish 11-1 wristbands. And this is just a reminder for us to strive to pray 11 minutes a day. Number 10, I believe 11 is a lonely number. I mean, you think about the scriptures, number 3, number 7, number 12, get a lot of fanfare, but 11 is often neglected. So we're going to make a special number for one month, and then everybody will forget about the number 11 from that point on. I'm a guy who loves structure. So we have a a daily prayer calendar that's in the back. You can grab that with the wristband. And it gives you something every day to pray for. Uh, You don't have to spend all 11 minutes on that topic, but it gives you some guidance. In, In a similar way, I love simplicity. As life gets more and more chaotic, I long for the simple things. And the prayer calendar, it just has one thing each day. And often it's just a simple phrase for you to pray. Number seven, extra quality time with Pastor Frank. If you don't know who Pastor Frank is, that's POFO here at Harvest. Uh, But we've been planning this series together. And you know when you do a group project, it's it's always a little nervous, like how's it going to work out? But it's really been a blessing just working with him, and I've just been so just encouraged uh, through him. Number six, my personal prayer life. I think in this season, I've been feeling the need for a jolt in my own prayer life. And even this past week, as I've engaged 11-1, just, I've been really excited uh, to come back to God in prayer, just with a fresh, new desire and perspective. Number five, I love the title of the series. Lord, teach us to pray. It's a prayer in itself, and it's straight from the lips of one of Jesus's disciples. And for me, it reminds us that we're all in the same boat. Many of us struggle with prayer. And wherever we're at, we can grow and just come to God and say, God, help me grow in my prayer life. Number four, we've been very cautious with the guilt trap. I really believe prayer is one of those things when you hear about it, like you feel like guilty. I'm not praying enough. You know, I stink at this. We've been very sensitive to that. And this is not about trying harder or doing more. Because number three, the focus of this series has been on our relationship with God. And last Sunday, I think Pastor Frank set it up very well. Prayer is about connecting with God. And that's the whole heart behind this series, coming back to our relationship with him. Number two, I mean, prayer is just a basic building block of the Christian life. I think sometimes we can make spiritual growth so complicated, and yet there's, there's a few things that if you just focus on them, prayer and the scriptures, we will grow in Christ together. And the last thing is, I'm excited, I'm just asking the question, what will God do in our church through this series, as we rally together and seek the Lord in prayer, I, I'm looking forward to Him awakening us and bringing revival among our church. So, top eleven reasons. This Sunday, uh, the message title is on dependence. Uh, 
I mean, prayer at the very essence is moving out of our independence to seek the Lord and to depend on him. And the phrase we're focusing on from Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is this, Luke eleven three, Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. The beginning of Luke's version starts like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That first part seems so high and lofty, so majestic. It's words reflecting the greatness of God, who he is, and inviting his kingdom rule to be established. Kingdom come. And the prayer quickly shifts to give us each day our daily bread. Kingdom come to daily bread. At first glance, it seems like such a big jump. Like those two things are so far apart. Yet I believe this reveals something very important about our God. Yes, he is holy. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is the reigning king. And yet in the grandness of who he is, he is not far from us. He is not distant Last week we talked about God as Father. And this invitation to pray for daily bread reveals again his fatherly heart. He wants to take care of his children. He wants to provide for our basic physical needs. And what I love about our God is that nothing is too small for his watchful care. We're reminded in the scriptures how he takes care of the birds and the lilies of the field. How much more will he care for us? And for Jesus' disciples, this prayer for daily bread would not have come as a surprise. Uh, See, the disciples were very aware of the history of their people, the Israelites. Remember back to the Old Testament. The people of God are enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. And then God releases them from slavery. And they're wandering in the wilderness. And they have no food. And God's people are down and out. And and they weren't hiding it whatsoever. Uh, they They were telling Moses and Aaron their complaints. We'll look at the story in Exodus 16. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. It's amazing, like, when you're struggling in the present how often the past looks better. And here they are saying, we sat around pots of meat. We had everything we wanted. And honestly, as I was reading this the other day, I felt so much better about the whining of my own children. I mean, as a parent, I mean, I just, Ivana, I get very tired of hearing the whining 
and the complaining. You have so much. Do you really need more? And I, and I find this is an epidemic. This is part of our human condition. We whine and grumble. And despite the grumbling of God's people, God is so gracious. It says, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. God steps in and he rains down bread from heaven. I mean, really, how cool is that? I think we, we get so comfortable with these stories. We forget the wonder of it. To supply the needs of his people, he releases bread from the heavens. I mean, it's truly amazing. And the big thing I want us to realize from this passage is that God instructed the people to collect bread each day and gather enough for that day. I mean, obviously God could have have provided enough for a week's worth, a month's worth of bread. But he doesn't do that. There's something that God is doing here. He's inviting his people into a rhythm of daily dependence. That when you wake up each morning, you don't have anything. You rely upon the Lord to provide. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing in the Lord's Prayer. Give us each day our daily bread. I mean, Jesus is a smart guy, but he's kind of redundant when he says that. He uses each day and daily. It's not yet necessary to use both of them. He's emphasizing that rhythm of daily dependence on the Lord. Day by day, we will live in reliance upon God and his provision. And this aligns with what the disciples their personal experience in following Jesus. In the preceding chapter in Luke 10, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two, and he gives them very careful instructions to follow. Luke 10, one through eight says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. And do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If the head of the house loves peace, your peace will rest on that house. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for workers deserve their wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. I want to highlight just a few things from this text. Uh, verse 4, first of all, it says, Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. As Jesus sends them out, they were completely dependent upon others for their material needs. There was no other option, no backup plan for them. In verse 7, he says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. 
And then verse 8, eat what is set before you. For parents with picky eaters like Ivan and myself, this is your child's next scripture memory verse. Jesus commands you, eat what is set before you. I realize it's hard for us to understand what this would have looked like. To depend on the Lord each day for him to provide. But imagine for a moment that every morning that you wake up, your whole financial assets gets reset. You check your bank accounts each morning and there's a zero balance every single morning. Your wallet is empty every single morning. You rush to your kid's piggy bank and it is empty each morning. And no credit cards allowed in this story. You are completely dependent on God each and every day for him to provide. And I believe this gets at the big idea that God wants us to understand in this invitation to pray for daily bread. God is inviting us to a daily desperation for him to show up. That each morning that we wake up, that we are desperate for the Lord to reveal himself, to provide, to show up in our lives. For the Israelites, if God doesn't show up with manna and then later quail, there's nothing else to eat in the wilderness. There is no plan B. God is the only option for them. For the disciples, if God doesn't show up through the hospitality of others, they don't have a backup plan. God is the only option. There is a day-by-day desperation for God to show up because there are no other options. And this gets at, I think, one of our core struggles with dependence is we have too many options available to us. So we think. I mean, you go to the grocery store, and there's a plethora of choices. Let's just talk about bread for a second. I mean, it's not very exciting. But look at the bread aisle at your local grocery store. There are so many brands. You've got Sarah Lee, Wonder Bread, Healthy Life, Mother's Pride, Nature's Pride. The list goes on and on. And you can get wheat bread, white, whole grain, oat, rye, raisin. The list goes on and on. And then when I go to pay, I have options there too. I can use cash. I can use debit. I can use my Discover card. I can use my Chase Disney Visa card to earn points for my family to go to Disney. And the problem with these options. I mean, it gives us choices, which feels good, but it leads us to a false sense of control, thinking that we are in charge and thinking that we are providing for ourselves each and every day. And there's a sense of material independence from God day by day. And I think even spiritually speaking, we can create options there. I really believe religion can be a way out for many of us to depend on God, to seek relationship 
with him. Because with religious activity devoid of a relationship with God, what you're left with is a bunch of do's and don'ts, which keeps you in charge and in control. You just check off the boxes and you're doing okay. You can come to church. You can pray for 11 minutes a day. You can read your Bible from cover to cover. But if it's not about pursuing a relationship with God, connecting with him, it's a form of spiritual independence, which is centered on us and not on a relationship with him. And I believe what God wants us to remind, wants us to remind, wants to remind us this morning is that he is the one and only option for us. There really is no plan B in life. He is the sustainer, the provider, and the only one who will meet your needs. And as we pray for daily bread together, God is inviting us to come back to him as plan A in our lives. In a similar way, praying for daily bread gets at our neediness before God. I mean, we're taught in our culture not to be needy though, right? I mean, you see it in the movies. A guy is out with his friends. He meets a girl. He gets her phone number. And he's so excited. And he wants to call her like that night. And he's talking with his friends and they're like, no, you got to wait at least two to three days to call her. You don't want to seem too needy, too desperate. Show her that you're in control. And I believe in our Christian life, we can operate the same way. We can believe that we are not needy. And I believe this is one of the greatest lies we can come to believe. Because I think if we stop for a second and really think about it, we realize how truly needy we are. I mean, the, the very breath that I'm breathing right now is a gift from God. He su- sustains me breath by breath, moment by moment. And in ourselves, we are weak, we are inadequate, we are insufficient. And this is not, this is not a bad thing. A bad thing. We don't need to throw a pity party about this. Because in our weakness, God is inviting us to himself so that we can rely on his strength, his power, his sufficiency. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in 2 Corinthians 12, and he's praying about his own weakness, and he's pleading with God, God, please take this away. It says three times Paul pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Reading this gives me so much hope. 
As he writes, I will boast about my weakness. I delight in my weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. You see, neediness is a gift to be embraced, not pushed away. And as I was preparing <clears throat> for this message, I was in a Panera Bread. That's kind of my happy place when I'm writing a sermon. I go to Panera Bread. And I was writing this portion of the, the message. And I was thinking back about my story and reflecting on my deep neediness before God. I'm the guy who in high school was signed up to, to take speech class sophomore year. And somehow I got out of taking it sophomore year. I pushed it back all the way to second semester senior year. I was terrified to get up in front of people. I was so scared out of my mind. Later in college, my sophomore year, I was asked to lead a small group, and I was thinking of every excuse I could to get out of leading that small group, but I didn't get out of it. And I remember the night leading my first small group meeting, and I was in my dorm room all alone, feeling my deep neediness before God. And I was on my knees praying, God, you need to show up tonight, because I cannot do this without you. It's part of my, my story, this sense of deep inadequacy, and yet God keeps pulling me forward, asking me to do things I would not naturally choose to do. And he's always been so faithful. I get nervous before every single sermon, every single time I'm up here. There's part of me that just does not want to be up here. In some ways, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, because I realize each time how desperate I am for God to show up. I want to continue to embrace my neediness, my inadequacy before God. My great fear is as I get older and do this more, get more experienced, that I will get more comfortable. And then I, I will stop relying on the Lord, thinking that I can do it in my own strength. I don't know about you, but I want to be desperate for God to show up in and through my life every day. So friends, let's not run away from our neediness. It, it is the very place that God is calling you to step out and trust him to provide. I don't know if you've noticed, but every time I preach, I got to get a little bit practical at the end and just give you a few things to just encourage you and to take home. Uh, so just a few practical encouragements about daily dependence on God as we close. The first one is to share, share your neediness with others. I think this is hard for us to do. I think we, we're told in our culture, present your best side, show your strength. Uh, but I, I really believe God is calling us to reveal our inadequacy in community. And even specifically, I, I mean, since this prayer is for daily bread, there is this material provision that God is inviting us to ask him for. 
I just want to tell you, if you're struggling financially, uh, I know that's a very private area of our lives. We don't like to talk about that with others. But I just encourage you, do not be ashamed and share with others here at church your struggles uh, so they can pray with you. I mean, this corporate prayer uh, for daily bread is a collective plea that God would provide for his community. So if we're praying, God, give us each day our daily bread, it's about sharing our needs with one another and seeking the Lord to provide. And I love our church because we want to take care of our own. We really believe we're a family. And if you're struggling, we want to walk with you. And we have resources set aside to help you. The second encouragement is to make time for the Lord to provide. Richard Foster, uh, he's a Christian writer, writes about this in one of his books. He recommends if, if it comes at a point where you need to buy something that you need or want... He encourages you just to first pray about that need, to lay it before the Lord. Even if you have the means to go out and purchase that item, just to wait on the Lord and see if he will not provide in some miraculous way. And Foster tells a story of his good friend who needed a, a pair of gloves for work, a, a very simple thing. And the friend had means to purchase the items, but he felt led just to pray about it. And not to tell anybody about his need. And a few days later, someone offered him a pair of gloves. And what does that do? It reminds you that you are not in charge. Even though you might have the means to provide, to lay it before the Lord and see if he will not provide for you. Uh, Yvonne and I have done this on occasion, and we've seen God provide in, in amazing and miraculous ways. The last thing, I want to just bring it back to this relationship with God. I mean, that's what 11.1 is all about, us coming back to that intimacy, coming back to our Father in prayer. And I just want to encourage you to be honest with your needs, your longings, your desires before God in prayer. God wants to hear from you wherever you're at. I remember in college, I had a friend, and she grew up in a different religious background. And so her, her view of God was a little bit skewed, but she didn't feel comfortable praying to God directly. She, she felt like, why would God want to bother with me and hear from me? I'm so small. He's so big. He's busy with other things. That's so not true. Our Father waits for us to come to him in prayer. And again, I want to cautious, cautious us against religious activity. Things that you do where your mind and your heart are not engaged and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And I think there is something to being disciplined and committing to disciplines. But just when you're doing a discipline, check where your mind and heart is. This week, if you're striving to pray 11 minutes a day, are you really focused on connecting with God. If you're struggling with that, just lay that before him in prayer. And the last thing I just want to share is just letting go of prayer as performance. We were talking about this in our small group on Thursday night. I think when we pray corporately, there's sometimes pressure. 
People feel uncomfortable praying out loud and uh, just remembering that prayer is that relationship with God. Even with you, when you're with others, don't worry about what language you're using. Do you sound spiritual enough? And if you're listening to someone praying, don't judge them and like, you know, be grading them for their spirituality as they pray. But as we pray corporately, let's just go to the Father together and build that intimacy, that relationship with him. As we close, I just want to lead us in a, in a time of prayer to respond to God. And I want to invite you actually to hold out your hands like this as we pray. Um, it just reminds us that we come to God with empty hands, declaring our neediness before him. We come to receive what he will provide and what he will give. As we come to him in prayer, we don't demand, uh, but we depend upon him. And the first thing I want to invite you just to pray about is just to thank God for how he's provided for your material needs. For how he's given you clothing and food and shelter. And just to be in awe of who he is, that he's a good father that has provided for you throughout your, your story. So just take a minute and, and thank God for that. I invite you to keep that same posture of hands held out empty. And now to pray, Lord, make me more desperate for you. God, when I'm comfortable, make me uncomfortable that I would long for you, that I would look to you. Take a minute to pray for that. The last thing, to come to God and say, yes, Lord, I I am so needy, I admit. And God, I pray that you would show up in my neediness this week. So pray that. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. God, we want to be more desperate for you. God, forgive us for how often we live life independent of you. We get so terribly, un- so terribly comfortable, God, without you showing up in our lives. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would work now in this week in us and call us out of our independence, out of our self-reliance, that we would look to you, God, as our great Father, our provider, our sustainer. And that we would humbly come before you with our our needs, our desires. That we would be grateful for your provision in our lives. And God, help us not to run away from our neediness. Help us to enter into it 
knowing it is a gift from you so that we can see you more clearly and see you reveal your power and your glory. So God, we want to follow you. We want to love you. Help us. Lord, teach us to pray. We pray in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.